Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Well, this is Northwest Wall Country Sports Radio 950 KGR and uh, Dwayne England coming to you live from the Lake Stevens Tokyo Derby. Uh, out here, the water's awful flat this morning. Got our got our guest with us in the Wild Country boat, Richard Denham, uh, the the winner of the drawing uh, last week who entered the competition. And so we're out here on the water this morning, Lake Stevens Tokyo Derby, and it is uh, it's a little lax for luster. It's a bit slow. Um, for reasons unknown at this point. I don't know. We're working awful hard trying to find some fish. We've talked to a handful of boats. Of course, uh, the Wild Country boat is somewhat recognizable out here, so folks are waving and saying hi, but um, not having ever fished this before, uh, we're in we're in search mode, and we're looking for fish, uh, relying on our electronics. Water temperature is about 62 degrees, and uh, clarity is normal. we got overcast, little breeze here and there, and... Uh, mostly some scattered showers. So um, we're just basically hunting for fish. Isn't that right, Richard? He gave me the nod. Yes, sir. So we're, uh, we're looking for that first fish. We're uh, varying our depths. We're, we're marking fish here and there, um, you know, 12 to, 12 to 55 feet. number of boats we've talked to, the highest count we've heard of is maybe five. Uh, most boats are ones and twos. So... Uh, the I guess the the shining light would be we did have one person tell us that uh, hey you know don't worry nine or ten o'clock it starts cranking up and uh, everybody should be catching fish so we're hoping to start putting some fish in the boat. Um, Nation uh, brought to you by YBC and Max Lures of course and we are running a uh, varying amount of Max Lures products and uh, YBC products and some of our own tight stuff and. Uh, we have a widespread out here. We're fishing four or five rods, and we're just trying to figure out a pattern. If you tune in from time to time and watch Cody Herman, he's always very good at describing, you know, identifying and, and figure out your pattern, and then you'll find your success. So we have yet to put the combination together or the pattern. We're, we're changing colors. We're changing depths. We're changing scent. Uh, as everybody would know, I'm a major scent junkie when it comes to the, uh, the kokanee fishing. So... We definitely just have to continue rotating through the rods and its progression. Uh, again, you know, we rely on the electronics, looking for fish, uh, finding them, dropping the gear down to them, and not having a whole lot of success with that. So we just kind of keep changing our presentation. For, for those... uh, color, of, color of dodger and uh, color of uh, lure and size of lure and, you know, the, the Potsky corn with various scents and colors. So that's kind of where it's at, Steve-O. we got a number of things to do, but uh, we have yet to put one in the boat. Yeah, for those of us not out there, uh, you know, how many people are expected to be in the Derby today? And what a, is this like a, a an annual thing that they've done for many years? And what are the kind of the prizes for the big winners of the Derby? And uh, just kind of the details about uh, those of us that weren't able to make it out there today. Yeah, well, it's the seventh annual. 
Um, and we've uh, actually, Sherry and I came up here a couple of years ago and jumped in the boat with Mark Spada and uh, tooled around the lake. But we did it after I did the show. So we got up here late, and the fishing was pretty much done by that point. So um, there's probably 150 boats on the water. There's over 200 people that have entered. And uh, top prize for uh, for biggest fish is $1,000 for a $20 entry fee for a fishing derby to win a thousand bucks for a surprise and be pretty sweet. So, and I believe the breakdown is a thousand, five hundred, two fifty, and then a hundred. So then they have a kids derby uh, section on this as well, and uh, plenty of prizes. I know, uh, like I said, two years ago I was up here and then helped out with the awards afterwards and the presentation of the winners. Um, a lot of people, lots of prizes, lots of giveaway, raises a lot of money for some of the local things going on around here that uh, state is involved with. And uh, just looking to, you know, put a few fish in the boat. My God, you got to, at least uh, the wild country group's got to get a couple of them. I mean, it's just coconut, right? Yeah, I mean, you got, the, you, you got the big sticker on the side of the boat. You got to make it, uh, you know, you got to represent. You can't you can't come in with the uh, Northwest Wild Country boat just empty-handed. Well, the one thing I can tell you about Lake Stevens is if you don't fish up here on a regular basis, and anybody that just shows up to fish, nobody expects you to do anything. Nobody expects you to actually come out here and be able to catch fish. So. If we get one, uh, I feel like we'll have had a successful day. You know, I, next year I'm going to move this to Summer Lake. So then I got a, I got kind of a home home field advantage. But, yeah. Uh, no, this is a great, uh, great derby. And, you know, with the lack of opportunity of everything else that we don't have going on right now, um, this is a uh, this is where people need to be. They need to be out on the lakes and chasing fish and having fun and get involved in derbies that go on throughout the spring and summer because they all go to great causes. And uh, why not come out and, Enjoy enjoy the underwater. Definitely. Know? Hopefully the uh, the weather holds off for you guys. I don't know if you got a chance to uh, listen to the opening segment when we had Joel on, but uh, you know he said uh, you know at the uh, this trip that he's been on, he's really got a kind of a change in perspective on you know how he has viewed the theme of our shows in his absence, which is. Um, you know, the, the contention between uh, the laws and, you know, how we're going to resolve this, um, you know, moving forward. And uh, so it'll be interesting, you know, when the whole crew is back next week. I know you'll be back right. in the studio. He'll be back. So uh, right. it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. He's going to challenge us. And uh, so, you know, we've had a lot of our uh, classic uh, guests in a segments here from the last few months that we've been playing. Um, and we got, uh, another three lined up here, uh, in the seven o'clock hour here. Perfect. Yeah. Sounds like, uh, coming up next, you got, uh, Edwin Evers going to, uh, recap his winning of this, this year's the 2016 Bassmaster Classic. So that's going to be a fantastic segment. People need to stay tuned for that because it's a very good interview. Definitely. Well, Hey, thanks for, uh, jumping on with us, Dwayne. And, uh, we'll, uh, talk to you next week. Yep, see you in studio next week. Back for a live show. Have a great day. So if you were watching on Comcast Sportsnet Northwest, we've uh, run a couple of highlights packages from the 2016 uh, Bassmaster Classic, which uh, just culminated last week in uh, Tulsa. As a matter of fact, I'm still kind of tired from that fishery or that, that particular tournament because it required a 90-minute one-way drive in the morning to see these guys put their boats in at 530. It was, yeah. a, it was a long week. You had to get up early for that. And I'm not going to complain because the guy who we've got on the line right now had to not only get up early, he had to go fish in what thirty mile an hour winds, Edwin? The uh, the conditions on Grand Lake were were a little bit more sporty on Championship Sunday than we had kind of expected. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me on. Absolutely. So let's talk about let's talk about the experience of winning a tournament the size of the Bassmaster Classic in your home state. 
I mean, I, yeah. I can't even imagine uh, a better experience. I just can't imagine it. You're exactly right. I just, you know, you always dream of winning the classic and let alone to have it happen in your home state. It's just a dream come true. I just, I couldn't be more excited. It was overwhelming. Just the response, the crowd, the, the media attention afterwards. I think I appeared on every news channel in a one day period that was possible <laughs> to appear on the news channel there in Tulsa. And, uh, it's just been fun. It's been a whirlwind, but it's, you know, it's, I, I'm just excited about it. I, I, I can't say enough about it. You know, I asked this question. So we, we've had the classic champ on ever since Oh three, since I can only want it. And, and I've asked this same question, how much sleep have you gotten since you raised that trophy on Sunday? I not you know I've I've been going to bed late and getting up early but you know it's nothing <laughs> nothing that you don't yeah. that you're not accustomed to with having kids and uh, so it's uh, it's been exciting. Gotcha, gotcha. So Edwin, uh, when you went into that last day and you were down a ways, what was your thought process? Right, fishing different plays, fishing different tactics, or what? What was you thinking when you went into that morning? I just I thought I needed to catch you know 21 22 pounds if Jason had 15 or 16 to have a chance you know I think I was six pounds back and uh, you know I just wanted to I wanted to go into that 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 creek where I was at and catch two maybe three big ones and then go try to fill out my limit and get to that number to at least give me a chance and uh, man I ended up catching a whole stringer of big ones it was just a you know a, a magical day a day from heaven I, I don't know how else to describe it but it was just I, you couldn't have scripted it any better I, it just I had perfect, perfect conditions, you know, for that body of water right there where I was at. You know, it was really clear water. I needed some clouds. I needed some wind. And I got in there a little early, and I got a little antsy. I got a little nervous. I wasn't getting any bites. And, and I was just, I was like, man, let's just go fish through those logs that I had. I shook those last couple fish off, off in practice, and the wind started blowing as I was going to that first log. And uh, got a ripple on the water, and I pulled up there and flipped that jig up there, and you know I caught one of those great big ones, and it really, really settled me down. You know, there's a there's a gallery called uh, Edwin's Epic Morning. It's over on Bassmaster.com, and you can take a look at the fish that he caught. How um I'm not, and I've not had a chance to ask you this yet, Edwin, but how how long did that particular condition exist? I mean, because 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 of the way things work with bass track and and you know trying to get back from the lake, I, I really wasn't paying attention. Until I, I hit bass track and I saw that you had gone from six pounds down to ten pounds in the lead, and I was like, "What in the world just happened?" So, so what what was kind of the time frame? Walk me through the time frame of this particular little magical stretch that you had. I'm going to say it probably started about eight eight fifteen, and uh, it was all over with by ten. You know, I had the majority of that weight by ten. Uh, I just had so many boats come in there that you know, there's a shallow area. It just, it was done. You know, I, I think I caught one more way up real shallow away from everybody that I called with. And, um, uh, luckily it just all happened really quick. And, um, you know, just, it, it just, it couldn't have worked out any better. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just amazing. Let's, let's kind of back up to day one and day two, because day one wasn't necessarily such a magical thing i mean you you definitely had some challenges the first couple of days that kind of put you in the position of of, of having to catch a pretty giant bag to catch christy on day three let's let's walk through what happened on day one and day two in practice you know we put the boat you know and everybody put the boat in on friday my water temperature was 44 degrees so it was really cold and i started throwing a, a crankbait a little mega bass flap slap and i caught some really big ones those first three days of practice i wasn't getting a lot of bites but i was, I was catching big ones kind of doing the same thing everybody else was doing fishing the backs of those pockets little rock changes transition 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Banks. And um, that's what I did the first day of the tournament. And I only weighed in four. I, I just... Man, I was that ninety mile drive to the to the arena was horrible. I thought I just let another classic get away from me, you know, not even have a good showing. And on the ninety mile drive back out to the lake that night to stay in the camper, I was like, Man, well, I'm okay. I'm I'm in thirteenth place. I'm only seven pounds out. You know, it, it it grand is tough. I need to approach this like differently than normal years and and uh, really thought really long and hard on that drive back out on what to do and uh, the second day, I just I went up the river. I was like, man, I can go get bites up there. I just need to get bites and you know, cull some fish, try to get a, a decent stringer and see what happens. And ended up having the biggest bag of the tournament on the second day with that 17.8. And I caught all those flipping a Zoom Z hog and a War Eagle spinnerbait, you know, casting a spinnerbait just on shallow logs up the river, you know, in off colored water. The water was a lot warmer. It was stable. Um, wind didn't really affect it, you know, if I had wind or didn't have wind and it wasn't getting any pressure. And in normal years, that stuff doesn't work on grand. You need to have 20, 22 pounds every day. But, uh, with that 17, eight, it moved me back up to third and, uh, you know, I gained a pound or two on Jason and, and, um, you know, put me kind of in a position where, where I could go after the title, the, the final day, you know, and, um, it just, it worked out. It was good decisions, and um, I don't know what else to say about it. I just, you know, it it just worked out. Let's uh, let's define what you mean by a grand it was different this year than it had been previously. Because uh, as you guys kind of finished out your 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 legal scouting time and you got a chance to look at the lake, it was it was a a state of fluctuation pretty much the entire <laughs> winter. I mean, it was just like, what in the world is going to happen when we show up in early March and fish this thing? Mm-hmm. Joel, last winter, the the months of the classic, let's say January, February, March of 2015, mm-hmm. we had 15 to 18 foot visibility. The lake, you know, it was a Highland Reservoir, crystal clear. It was going to be a swim bait, jerk bait, deep jig type bite. And then we had record rainfalls at at the end of that year in December, right around Christmas. You know all-time high the lake had ever been and completely flushed the lake whole you know all the water out of the lake you know the muddiest water was at the dam and the further up the body of water it got cleaner and and that's just the opposite of what grand normally is normally the crystal clear waters of the dam and it gets stained the further up those rivers you go and um, it just was different i mean it just was a mud hole compared to what it normally is and, and that's what made it so much tougher you take a look at uh, what happened on day three. So you go in and you're chasing a guy who you're somewhat familiar with. For for those of us up here in the Pacific Northwest who who don't necessarily know this, Jason Christie and Edwin Evers are travel partners. They basically spend how, how much time do you spend together with Christie? By like every day for like nine months, correct? Right. Yeah. We yeah. <laughs> we rent houses, share hotel rooms. Yeah. Uh, Travel partners. And and by the way, Christy knows Grand Lake a little bit too. 
<laughs> he kind of grew up, what, 45 minutes from there? I mean, he has mm-hmm. won several tournaments on there. So basically, your situation, even though you had you had kind of righted the ship a little bit on day two and, and had brought yourself within range of Christy, you were still chasing a guy who... By all means, should have been impossible to catch. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I know that you were excited about Sunday, but you had to have known I've got a pretty good task ahead of me here. I did, you know. I I, I kind of took a little offense to it here and there because everybody really handed him that trophy <laughs> a little bit <laughs> before, before yeah. the event started, and then especially after the first and second day, you know, it was it was his. You know, the classic was over, and you know, it, it probably was a little bit more of a motivation factor. You know, I, I felt like. I live there. I know the lake too. You know, uh, I may not have fished all those lower level tournaments that he had won, you know, in the years past. And, and he definitely has more experience on it, but you know, I just, in the long run, that may have really helped me because I fished a whole new section of that lake than I, than, than I have ever fished. I am the most familiar with the lower end of the lake. And, um, you know, it's probably one of the best decisions I had just scrapping my game plan, scrapping what I was the most familiar with and just going fishing the lake as if it was an, a lake I, I didn't, I wasn't familiar with. And, uh, it helped me a bunch. That sounds like that motivation really paid off then. Yeah. Edwin, let's, let's talk a little bit then about the specifics of the, the area where you had kind of that, that magical, uh, epic morning bite. So you'd met, we'd mentioned the fact that the wind was blowing that day and mm-hmm. this particular location, this particular area was one that you had found some big fish in practice, but mm-hmm. the conditions had to be right for those fish to bite. And, and you hadn't had those conditions in day one and day two. No, sir. It, it was crystal clear water where I was fishing. It's, it's, a, it's one of the major rivers that feed the the lake and it's it's a it's a it's a you know a smallmouth stream it's just really clear water it's bath water and uh you know when i went through there in practice i had those three really big bites but it was a cloudy windy day and uh i didn't go back i didn't go back till the final day when we had the right conditions and uh man it just it worked out perfect you know it's a shallow flat where this river hits the lake and there's it's deposited logs everywhere and I was really focusing on little undercut one foot contour changes that would be next to a log. And it'd be a little dark spot down there where, you know, you would think you would see a fish, but it, it just that dark spots where he could hide. And, uh, you know, I, I was using 12 pound test on that Andy's E-series finesse jig, making long casts, a five sixteenths jig. And, uh, I wasn't actually in the logs, you know, I was throwing beside them, you know, I didn't want to take a chance of breaking off and, and those fish would come get it. So Edwin finishes the day on Sunday with 29 pounds and some change. Did you have an idea when you came in that, that you were probably going to win this thing? I mean, what was what was your mindset when you pulled into the yard there in Tulsa? The whole way, you know, I, my father-in-law was riding with me, and he was pretty excited and telling me that he'd heard he hadn't had them. And I was like, man, let's not let's not overdo this. Let's not get too excited. You know, Jason, yeah. Jason, Jason's <laughs> caught him every day at the very end, you know, and they turned bass track off early. Mm-hmm you know, at noon. And, and I just, I was really trying to stay. No, let's not, there's no celebrations here. Let's, let's, uh, then when I get in the boat yard, you know, and, and Davey starts really talking to me and I'm noticing the attention, you know, it's starting to sink in a little bit, but I finally talked to Jason and, uh, you know, he confirmed he only had four and congratulated me. And, and, um, you know, that's when it really hit me. It's kind of funny because as I watched you bag your fish, I, I, I may, I must not have been paying that much attention because, I'm taking pictures of Edwin, and I see him, you know, throwing his fish into the bag. And at no time, you saw the three small ones, Joel. At no time, (laughs) at no time did I suspect you had 29 pounds. 
I mean, I'm, I'm when, when that weight, I was just like, I, I was the most surprised guy in the building. I'm here to tell you because you, you were you were there. I remember exactly where you were, Joel. You were yeah. right there beside me, and, and you know, I only bagged three of them. And I had two that were close to seven pounds <laughs> on the right side. Yeah. yeah. And and those three that I bagged, you know, they I guess if I had two six thirteens, you know, I got whatever that do the math on it, but you know, they're all five something pounders and uh, yeah. you just you didn't see me bag the three, but in, in, in your defense. But. Yeah, okay. All right, good. I I thought I'd completely lost my ability to that the fish size because I wasn't even close. But it's kinda of funny too, Edwin, as as you kinda of, so the way that this whole thing sets up is that they pull you in in your truck. Um, they introduce you, you go through the Super 6 celebration, you know, the smoke and mirrors and lasers and all that stuff goes off. And then you take, you almost take like a like a pre-victory lap around it because the way that it's set up is you have to wait until the next guy weighs in. So you're out there on your boat and you get this opportunity to kind of very slowly make your way around the arena before you even wade in. Which, mm-hmm. I, I know the celebration and the actual victory lap were, were amazing experiences for you and your family. But tell me a little bit about the the preway because you got a chance to interact with the crowd a lot because it's it's a process it takes you 15 20 oh, minutes a half goodness. hour it, it just it looked like it was super cool man I, I just get out of the boat and i start signing autographs just to get my mind off of it you know i try to meet everybody i can going around that arena and then the worst part of it all my boat stops in front of jason's wife and girls and uh mm. I, it was hard because I just, you know, man, I, I love them to death and they're just great people. And I just felt sick to my stomach because, you know, I know that I've been there. I just know how, how it had to be for them. But, you know, they congratulated me and just were super happy for me. And it sure made me feel better because I just, of all places for that boat to stop, was right in front of Amy and, and Allie and, and his girls. And, and uh, it was hard. Well, I'll tell you what, though, Edwin, you, uh, you, kind, of, you kind of displayed what kind of champion you're going to be. So I posted a picture on my personal Facebook page of, the exact moment that the weight was revealed, um, you can see you can see Dave Mercer, the MC, off to the right of the frame, celebrating it. And Edwin, your re- your reaction. Most people, when they found out that they've won the Bassmaster Classic, their reaction is typically to celebrate. You you were you were extremely respectful of the guy standing next to you. I mean, you basically you turned to Jason, and it was it was a super cool. I actually it was my very favorite moment of the entire of the entire tournament. Oh, well, thank you. I just, I felt horrible that he didn't get to speak. You know, I just, at Gunnersville when Randy shooed me off the stage, you know, it's just one of those instances where you want to still thank your sponsors. And I just, I felt horrible that he didn't get to say anything. And I just didn't know what to say to him because I knew how bad it was. And I just, I just, I don't know. I just, uh, thank you for, I, I didn't think of it that way, but, you know, I was trying to be respectful, I guess. And, uh, yeah, I felt for him. He's just a good friend of mine. So as we uh, as we look ahead here, it's not going to be too long before you have to uh, hook that boat up and head down to Florida. It's on it's on its route. It's yeah. it's going that direction right now. Yeah. I ended up filming a Lawrence commercial yesterday for me, and they drove it down there for me. I had somebody already lined up to drive it down earlier in the week. Oh, and before the classic ever happened, it's my dad's seventieth birthday, and uh, I had a surprise birthday party planned for him down here in Dallas. So. Me and me and the kids and my wife are down here in Dallas, and we got a big birthday party this afternoon at a restaurant for my dad, and, and uh, so I'll be flying out there tomorrow. Uh, I bought the ticket months ago, and uh, yeah. it's been a crazy week, you know, with all the classic stuff. But looking forward to celebrating my, my dad. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit real quickly here about uh, what you expect in the St. Johns River. We kick off the Elite Series season in in about a week. About a week. Yeah, I just it's exciting. It's uh, I, I haven't I haven't put one ounce of of thought into one elite tournament all year long until now and 
I haven't looked up to see what the moon phase is going to be, you know, which is going to be the biggest, the factor, you know, what, how many fish. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm going to be up on beds. Um, I haven't really been paying attention to the weather patterns to see, you know, if it's been a warm winter or a cold winter. So as I'm on that airplane tomorrow and going through the airports, I'm going to be trying to do a little research to see, you know, what I think the weather is and if they're behind the head or, or, or the moon patterns. And, uh, you know, I, I I'm really driven. I want to go out and perform this year. I, you know, the biggest goal in my whole career has ever been angler of the year. So I'm not taking it easy, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm going to be fired up, and uh, I'm going to be giving it 110% starting Monday morning. I'll be out there at daylight getting after it. Well, you know, Edwin, it's kind of funny. It's always interesting to see what happens uh, with the guy who, who wins the Classic because, as we pointed out, you don't really get a chance to rest too much before you fish your first tournament. You, however, have been on a little bit of, of a roll since last season, you won two, you won two events, and you win the classic. I think I think you're going to be okay at the St. John's River. I'm just telling you, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> you're too, off I'm to not, a good start. I'm not too worried for you. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, it's a it's the start of a new season. You just don't ever know. But um, you know, I just I hope to go the right direction and uh, be around some fish that I can compete with. It's been a sincere pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Uh, I'll see you in a handful of days down in the 88-degree uh, heat of uh, northern Florida. Congratulations. It was really good to see you win that thing. Thanks, guys. Sure do appreciate all you do for the sport and promoting it. And, uh, look forward to seeing you down there, Joel. All right, bud. Take it easy. Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. We've uh, spent a fair amount of time this morning talking about the moving water fisheries. Let's... Uh, Let's take a break from that and talk a little Slow bit about little inland, bit. Yeah. Yeah, inland fishing up too. And so this is one thing we've talked about this off the air. There's a the participation in in pretty much the entire West Coast. There's a the inland fishermen and women are they compose the biggest majority of people who buy licenses. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. The percentage you said in is like forty percent, forty seven percent, just the trout in, it, it, in do Oregon. trout fishing in Kokanee. Absolutely, mm-hmm. those are huge, huge yep. numbers. Yep. Well, but there, a lot of those do both, but absolutely but. for sure. So Larry Phillips, the inland fisheries manager for the Department of Fish and Wildlife, is uh, he joins us for. Our monthly chat uh, to look forward to some options. And, Larry, we, we've approached the time of year. We're approaching quickly the time of year where things begin to change as far as opportunities. Let's let's run through what we got going ahead of us the, for the next month or so. Yeah, good morning, guys. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, lots going on. You know, this time of year the phone starts ringing at the office. Everybody wants to know about uh, stocking. And uh, um, they start talking about High Lakes, where we're at, uh, all the inland opportunities. So pretty exciting time of year. Um, one thing I would direct folks to is the Fish Washington, uh, you know, the brand we have on the website. It's the where, the when, the how to fish, all of our inland opportunity. Um, it, it's links to all of the lakes, boat ramps, uh, stocking allotments, and all that information. So that's all in one spot on our website. Uh, Lowland Lake trout fishing is coming up, obviously. Uh, it's, the, it's the highest participation, as you just, you just discussed there. We have about 400-plus thousand anglers participate on opening day of Lowland Lake trout season. Um, one thing we're pretty excited, yeah, it's pretty, it's amazing. We have a um, really, really a, um, 
uh, quite a, a network of, of staff, stocking staff, hatchery staff, getting fished out, of uh, participating vendors, uh, lots of workshops and um, and uh, fishing events going on. So one thing that, that we talked about here last week, or excuse me, last month, was the, the kind of the trout derby thing we've got going on this year. We're super mm-hmm. excited about it. This thing is just skyrocketed right now. Um, and for the folks that didn't hear last time, what we've got is our, our um, sale, our licensed vendors were asked if they'd like to participate in our fishing derby um, with donating a prize and maybe a gift card or a rod and reel combo. And we weren't sure what the response would be. We might hear from a few folks that, that wanted to you know, get their name out and say, Hey, we we're partnered with the department. We have $20,000 worth of prizes right wow. now. Oh, nice. And, uh, you know, this is just the tip of the iceberg, too. It was a first shot at it. Um, we have about 800 tags. Uh, these are going to be uniquely um, numbered tags that will stock out across the state of Washington. Um, for the, the derby will start on the opening day of trout season, which is the last Saturday in April. It will continue all the way through the summer until September 6th when kids go back to school. So uh, in addition to, you know, just the excitement of Loma Lake trout fishing, now you can potentially catch a, a gift card at you know, one of the vendors. That, and they're all across the state, mom and pops to the big guys. So um, really a neat opportunity for us. That's a, that's a super grassrootsy way to do it. Oh, yeah. I really like it. Yeah, it's, yep. pretty, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And good prizes, too. Yeah, it's exciting. So, uh, And then there's just, uh, I mean, just what I've got here is a list of uh, kind of hot, hot fisheries that we've got going right now that we can start in Spokane and kind of work our way this way. You bet. Right, let's spool through those. Yeah, you man. Bet. Yeah. Um, so real quick, uh, obviously we've got just a ton of lakes for their trout, but again, we're going to, we're going to just refer folks to the stocking website there at uh, fish Washington, but long Lake in Spokane County fishing excellent right now, rainbow trout up to 18 inches. Um, nice thing is it's a lot of shore access as well. Um, Lake Roosevelt, it's been a common theme this year. Oh, yeah. The kokanee are now up to 20, 22 inches. Um, and rainbow trout up to 22 inches all. Again, a lots of shore access. Mm-hmm. Check the Fish Washington website for that. Uh, Rock Lake, a smaller lake over towards Cheney. Again, a really nice rainbow trout fishery. But this has always been a really good brown trout fishery. Mm-hmm. And this year, the brown trout, um, not uncommon to, to catch a brown trout in the 5 to 10 pound range. And we have one report documented um, confirmed report of a 17 pound brown trout no kidding so really really cool it's it's the folks that live in that area know about the brown trout fishery it's one of the few places where you can go get a limit of brown trout Mm -hmm. typically they where we stock brown trout you'll get one brown trout in addition to your four rainbow maybe but this is one where you can consistently catch brown trout you say 17 pound brown trout i'm thinking great lakes fisheries right joel yeah Yeah. i mean that's that is a phenomenal steelhead now we're talking brown trout 17 pounds jack Hey, just, baby. Just, just for future <laughs> reference, that's not very far from Miller Ranch where we go pheasant hunting. Yeah, that's a good not point. Not at all. God, Ripley. <laughs> always, just, always just throwing that out. Yeah, there. that is quite throwing right that down out the road, there. isn't it? Yeah. It's a, and that's a Rapala fishery for, for a lot of um, folks. Have a lot of success on uh, large Rapalas. Um, they're both rainbow and brown trout, which is surprising. But, yeah, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, Sprague Lake is another one that just, um, you know, that lake was, uh, we wrote known that lake, uh, I don't know, five years ago now, and um, we're still um, in the process of developing the warm water fishery there. But, um, you know, one of the one of the ways we manage those are with a trout fishery for a while, and, man, we've had some success there. Very productive um, rainbow trout up to 22 inches and just beautiful fish, yeah. too. We're soft small, and they grow. Uh, region 2, uh, you know, watch, watch the ice. Uh, we'll still have some ice fishing opportunities there, but um, the ice is thinner. Uh, Fish Lake is obviously a, always a good one. Um, it's got a uh, region two has a whole slew of what we call our March openers, kind of the kickoff to Lone Lake trout. 
Um, those are we have about 17 lakes there that are or more that are managed um, uh, as trout fisheries. That they can be anything from drive up to or walk in. Um, but some excellent. These are many of these are fry plant um, driven, so the fish are beautiful. They're really nice fins, um, quality size, a lot of opportunity there. Check with Chad Jackson or the folks in Region Two office if you want more information there. Uh, Region Three. Um, you know, we start talking about walleye and channel catfish. Um, walleye can be very good in the Umatilla, um, uh, Lake Umatilla below McNary, uh, McNary Dam, in the Lake Wallula area, and in, in the Lower Snake River, um, and also in the Hanford Reach. Some of the largest walleye that we see come that are caught in the year, throughout the year, are caught in the springtime. So mm-hmm. folks who are interested in that can learn more. Um, channel catfish in the uh, Yakima and Lower Walla Walla Rivers you know, target the lower couple of miles there. Um, lots of reports of channel catfish in the 8 to 10-pound range come out of there this time of year. Uh, let's see, Region 4, uh, uh, Green Lake and Angle Lake right in downtown Seattle. Green Lake um, we've recently stocked with about uh, eight to 15,000 rainbow trout. Um, this is also the time of year when we folks can start, uh, for our year-round waters, they can start kind of feeling around for the, the lakes that might be good for kokanee. Um, in up in the Region 4 area, we've got a few of them, Angle, Meridian, um, obviously Stevens, Sammamish, and Kavanaugh are all lakes that, uh, and Kavanaugh's also got some really good cutthroat. But, um, you know, this is the time of year we start thinking, hey, I wonder how our, our um, last year's fry or last year's fingerlings are doing, how they did over the winter. And obviously that that, that information travels pretty quick on, on the chat boards and the Internet. But uh, fingers crossed for it. some of those quality kokanee fisheries to come on this year and, and produce some good opportunity for us. Um, region five, we've got uh, a couple of small lakes there that are all, always good lakes for for early opportunity battleground and client line ponds. Um, Crest Lake has also been recently stocked with surplus steelhead. I think we're up to three or four hundred there, so that's a pretty unique uh, inland uh, lowland lake opportunity where folks can catch some surplus steelhead. Mm-hmm. And these are adult steelhead, uh, right? These are adult steelhead, yeah. correct? Yeah, they're not the not the, uh, the fish that we had to stock out last year, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those, you know, you'll you'll know when we when where we put our. There's a couple of spots on the website where you can see where we've, um, you know, we put our uh, our hatchery uh, steelhead that we had to release last year. Those are those are ag clip fish. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, some of the fish in Sprague Lake and Rock Lake were the result of those some of those plants. Uh, Region six, a um, couple of really good perch lakes, really underutilized: Spencer Lake and Mason Lake, um, over in the Kitsap area. Um, excellent for yellow perch. Uh, American Lake, you know, we got our fingers crossed for, for the kokanee fishery this year. I think we've talked about that a little bit in the past. One mm-hmm. of the things we're doing there is we're uh, we're doing a fall plant there to try to kind of um, circumvent some of that mortality of the fingerlings. We're, excuse me, the fry we're putting in there, we're doing a fingerling fall plant. Um, that We've had some success at that, so we're hoping to stabilize the quality of that fishery a little bit by... Um, by increasing that fall plant. The thing you'll see with uh, American Lake is you'll have plenty of people who will help you witness exactly what's Oh, they're out there today. For sure. Our buddy yep. Shane's out I there fishing kokanee mm-hmm. today. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I get a call from those guys usually when they have success, and um, yeah. always when they have failure, but uh, <laughs> when they have success. It's kind of the way um, it works, and, yeah. Hey, yeah. It's, a, it's a really fun fishery, and, and the, ch- the challenge for us is that, you know, the institutional memory is there from – four or five years ago and sure. we had guys out in March and, you know, even, even right after the new year, guys going out there and um, having a lot of success. So, uh, you know, we're trying to get back there just, um, 
I'd say bear with us. We're, we've got a lot of folks looking at that fishery and trying to make some improvements and mm-hmm. stabilize that as far as consistent quality. Lots of opportunities um, from one end of the state to the other. I mean, Larry, I think you may have, I wasn't counting officially, but I think you may have mentioned 10 different species. I mean, there really is kind of a wealth of diversity. Yeah, well, there's a lot of opportunity out there in six different regions to take advantage of and, you know, little little things that people aren't even aware of, like that steelhead stock. Yep. So, actually, I got a question, Larry, if you don't mind, is when yeah, you put those uh, hatchery steel back in those lakes, do those fish actually survive over a year or two, or do they just die within, like, five or six months? No, I mean, it, it all depends. It's lake-specific. It depends on there's a lot of different um, situations where um, if you've got a forage base that can support it, um, we've tried to match them up with areas where we thought they can either contribute immediately. And when we, when we do that, um, when, we, when we think there's low um, survival potential, we'll, put it, we'll grow them larger and then put them out in the fall or put them out when they're larger so that they can immediately contribute. But in places like Sprague Lake um, and in places like Rock Lake where the forage um, can, can, can support a put-and-grow, um, you know, those fish can survive for a while. Um, we never see a rainbow trout over three years old, essentially. That's about as long as they mm-hmm. live in lakes. Um, so if you can get a fish to, to a decent size in two years, and then, you know, obviously if we, we have that extra year of growing where there's enough forage, then, um, heck, they can get to 20, 22 inches, and, and we're seeing that now in and some of these fisheries will we stock them. You can nice. go to the just, Fish Washington website absolutely. for information about uh, about stocking schedules and so forth. And, and Larry, I mean, a lot of this information that we discussed is is available to you there. I mean, it's a it's a great resource, Dwayne. We've referred oh, yeah. to this several times. Yeah, yeah, I know it has it has the maps, it has the boat launch, it has the you know season of when the lakes open and close, hours of operation. I mean, it's got everything, and it even has videos and uh, write ups and how tos. It'll tell you exactly where to go and how to fish it to be successful. There's so much information there. People could spend days. That is Larry Phillips. He is the DFW's Inland Fisheries Manager. Larry, thank you very much for the the monthly check-in. We appreciate it very much. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, guys. Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Here's the... The point that I have made over the last handful of weeks is we kind of got into this whole you know handling of steelhead discussion. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter which state you're from. I don't, I don't care. I don't care where you're actually handling the fish. I just want to know exactly what happens. And this is this is the one thing that I believe that we we have such a la- I use the word commonality, Dwayne, but we have such a lack of commonality mm-hmm. in 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 what everyone accepts for for the the you know what what exactly we need to do with fish. That's right. it. It's right. just there's just we're just scattered. Well, I yeah. I could jump right in there, but you know what? I'm just going to open up the microphone and let John start uh, chiming in because yeah. you and I have had this discussion we have. numerous times. All right, so John, help us out here uh, as far as the actual science of, of the things that happen in a, in a steelhead when you hook the fish, fight the fish, handle the fish, land the fish, and finally release it. What, what exactly are we dealing with there? Hey, guys. Well, you know, it, there's a couple of things that happen to fish physiologically when you hook them and play them and handle and release them. So when you hook a fish in a fight, it, it has to burn sugar and energy, essentially. You know, it has to get itself ramped up like you and I would if we're going to go lift some weights or, or, you know, run a mile or anything else. And when we start to burn that energy, we get that lactic acid buildup in the muscle. And the fish is the same way. Um, and this all all starts with what we call cortisol, which is a a stress hormone. So the cortisol builds up in that fish's blood as it is fighting. So every run that fish takes, you know, trying to get away from you that it's hooked on, that cortisol builds up a little bit more. So 
essentially when we hook a fish, that cortisol builds up and you get lactic acid. The muscles get tight and stiff. Things get hard to move. It's a little bit harder to recover. And what we do know is that the cortisol in the fish after you catch and fight it remains elevated for anywhere from 24 to 72 hours. That, uh, and, and so basically what recovery time is, is just basically that. I mean, it takes time for them to, uh, you know, continue to reoxygenate themselves and pump that lactic acid out of their blood system and out of their muscles and, and out, uh, in their waist, just like, you know, humans. I mean, when we work out and train and, and do things, we're sore for a day or two. And, uh, for fish, I got to think, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're a little sore, maybe they're a little beat down and they got to really go find and seek out that softer water where they can just kind of relax and, you know, maybe take a hot tub, maybe take a, a little time to, to, to replenish. It's totally true, Dwayne. And, and there are two things then when we think about, you know, this buildup of lactic acid, because it is important, because if they get too much cortisol in their system, that can result in mortality, but it usually doesn't. Right. Uh, but what we do see is that there's something that's kind of counterintuitive because I think a lot of us think when we catch a steelhead in warm water that that lactic acid buildup is probably worse because the fish is already stressed. Mm -hmm. But what we generally see actually is that the lactic acid is uh, eliminated from the system more quickly in warmer water temperatures because the metabolism of the fish is going faster. So it flushes the lactic acid from the system faster. So Say in 60, 65-degree water, uh, that lactic acid might only remain built up in the fish for less than a day, you know, 15, 16 hours. But if you're catching fish in winter steelhead temperatures, that lactic acid might remain in the system for 48 hours to 72 hours because it is colder mm -hmm. and it can't flush it as fast from the system. That's... So recovery, recovery times are a little bit longer as the temperature gets colder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so relative to how a fish uh, responds to that, I mean, I got to think, uh, you know, they, they obviously must have an increased heart rate when their exercise level goes up. I mean, it's all about circulation, oxygenation, and, uh, you know, yeah. replenishing the muscles and whatnot. And um, when they make those long screaming runs, or you're dragging them through that uh, really fast water. And then ultimately that fish is exhausted. They get some net time. They got to unhook them. Maybe mm -hmm. they start bleeding a little. Hopefully they don't. Uh, a little mouth blood is uh, substantially different than a you know a, gi a gill bleed, obviously. Um, all those in combination, and then you know ultimately you decide to release that fish. So yeah. we're releasing it into maybe a little bit soft water where they can kind of tuck in and, and get their bearings, you know, kind of get their equilibrium back. Or you just kind of drop that thing right in the old fast current and you know gets pushed on down river, tumbling right. around. I mean. It, it amazes me at times that these things can recover. Yeah, and also in that process, you have the putting on of hands. You have hands oh, that yeah. are actually handling the fish, too. And, so. and, and the damage that gloves do, mm -hmm. you know, more harm mm -hmm. than good in the right. many cases because you remove slime. And sure. it's been proven that uh, you can have, uh, you know, fungus growth in those areas yeah. and things. So, you know, what ultimately, I mean, we got people weighing on both sides of these. And trust me, John, I mean, I want to catch fish. I want to I want to capture the moment. I want to release that fish on the harm. What's the best thing I can do? To, to ensure the survivability of these fish so they can go out and swim another day and or even bite another angler's line up river and be successful. Right, and, and I think there's a couple of things that people can do. And, and as a scientist and an angler, I love to catch steelhead like you guys. I mean, it's my, it's, it's my life, and that's why I became a scientist. Uh, I think the first thing is obviously fight the fish as quickly as possible, right? Um, 
We know that lactic acid buildup can be worse in larger fish, and those are often the trophies that we love so much and the reason we fish for wild steelhead. So land the fish as fast as possible. Two is when you take your photograph, there was just some research that came out and looked at how long should the fish be out of water before you start to do damage. And there they ultimately came to the conclusion that 10 seconds or less. And so if you're going to take a photo of the fish and it's going to be out of water, and I think a lot of us do that, you know, especially with nice fish, just make sure that, you know, you, you, you have it out of the water for no longer than 10 seconds. And if you want more than one shot, just put the fish back in the water for a bit, um, you know, let it gain experience and then lift it out again for mm-hmm. another shot. So uh, the, the third the third part is what you've touched upon in the last couple of weeks, which is don't squeeze too hard. You know, don't squeeze in that heart area right under those front fins very hard. And don't squeeze on the tail too hard because their spine is very sensitive mm. because their body is meant to be in water. Right. right? And so now it's not. And you're compressing, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you're compressing. And so I really think it comes down to, you know, fight the fish as fast as you can. When you bring it into land, if you have a knotless net, that's great, you know, but but just handle it well. Don't squeeze too hard. And if you're going to have it out of the water for a picture, try and do that in less than 10 seconds. So as far as hand placement, I see a lot of folks are pretty good about uh, putting that forward hand just back of the front pectoral fins, almost not quite mid-belly, but somewhere up in that upper area, but not right up under those pectoral fins where they're compressing the heart. So you know, you're more intestinal track, obviously, if you're back a little further. And is, it, is that the advice you'd give a lot of folks when you're going to try to, you know, hang on to that fish and hold it uh, for a quick photo? Exactly, Dwayne. And I think that's a great call. In fact, one of the things, you know, it, it's always hard because sometimes you fight the fish too fast and it wants to get out of there too quickly. Right. And so you fight the fish too long and then the fish is lethargic and you can get all the photos you want, but it doesn't recover as well. So, there is some balance in there, but you're absolutely right. You know, uh, hand placement should not be right up there around that junction between uh, the gill plate and the body because that's right where the heart's at. So sure. move it back a little bit and, and don't squeeze so much. And the bigger the fish is, try and try and keep a little bit of its body in the water, you know, just that lower lower part in case something does happen. Well, and that buoyancy effect that the fish naturally has, now you have water assisting and helping keep the fish up versus all the weight, just all the pressure down on your hand. You know, it's kind of how I look at it. You can feel that, too. Once you get that fish in the water a little bit, you don't have as much pressure against your hand, you know, because the water is assisting. Exactly, and I think a lot of people are moving that way now. I mean, I think some of the most beautiful photographs are of these fish, you know, a few inches of the bellies in the water. Sure. The, the the gill is almost still getting some water sometimes because the head is low enough. And I think those are great shots. They're great and shots, yep. Yeah, so that's, you know, I think that's probably the best recommendation that, that we could have from a science standpoint is, you know, and, and it comes down to common sense sometimes. That is uh, John McMillan. He is uh, the director of Steelhead Science for Trout Unlimited. John, thank you very much for the the time this morning. As, as you have uh, kind of uh, alluded to and you've listened to the podcast the, the past handful of weeks, this is a it's a it's a subject that a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on. It's nice to have a little oh, bit man. of a scientific base to it. Appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks, guys. You have a good one. Okay. All right. Yeah, you John, too. Yeah, John. You too. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.